regular on Thursday nights, you should have your bookmark um, in the book of Ezra. Uh, if you have never joined us before, some of you, um, the book of Ezra is the place you ought to be. So get yourself there as soon as you possibly can. It's in the Old Testament. If you're kind of going, hmm, don't be shy. Go to the table of contents and uh, you'll find it really, really quick. Like I would tell you what page we're on. 331. Okay, we're in 553 for me, but yeah, be that as it may. Um, Ezra, so Ezra 5 is where we find ourselves right now, uh, tonight, this evening. But before we jump in, I, I, um, I just kind of want to, I guess, remind you a little bit of what we saw last week, especially if you weren't here last week, you're probably going, yes, that would be pretty awesome. Um, just just to let you know where we're at in the book of Ezra, really quick, the foundation of the temple has now been laid. Um, a couple of chapters ago, in chapter 3 is when all that happened, and there was just great rejoicing because it's finally starting to to get done. They've come back from a 70-year uh, captivity. They, they've come back. They've laid the foundation. They've set up the altar. And so things are starting to, to, to now get on, on the way. The work is now beginning to, to, to go forward, which is amazing because there was this excitement that was happening. The, the faithfulness of God has, 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 been, um, has been obvious in, in what has been going on with them. You know, again, a lot of these people when they came back from this captivity, some of the older people remembered being there as young kids. And so they remembered the temple. And so they come back and we saw in the, at the end of chapter 3 that, that again, some of the old men, man, they were crying like, it's not like it was before. Well, if you wouldn't have brought your, your generation or if that generation before they left wouldn't have been so um, sinful maybe God wouldn't have allowed you guys to be gone. And so again, part of it was because of that generation, their disobedience, they had to go into captivity. But now that they're back, God's faithfulness, because God said that they would be back, it, it, it permeates throughout that whole time. And so now the door is wide open. And I shared this with you last week, after talking to you about this door being wide open, that anytime there is a great opportunity to do the work of the Lord, there will also be great opposition because opportunity and opposition, they go hand in hand. And you need to understand that. And you need to get used to that in one sense, because again, there is always opposition when you're trying to move forward in the things of the Lord. And maybe a lot of you guys have have experienced that even in your own life, that, that when you were just kind of running amok, you know, doing things for the world, it just seemed like, yeah, you know, I mean, there was situations that happened, but, but the opposition wasn't really there. Why? Because you were going along with the grain. You were, you were floating with, with all the other dead fish, you know. And, and, and once you decided to walk with Jesus, then all of a sudden you got Satan mad at you. <laughs> you know, I tell, when I was a youth pastor for years, you know, these kids, man, they want to rebel. I know some of your kids probably want to rebel and stuff. And I said, man, you're not rebelling. You're doing exactly what the world wants you to do. I say, you really want to rebel? Walk with Jesus, and then you get Satan mad at you. Now, 
Now you're really a, re- a rebellious teenager if you really want to walk with Jesus. And so again, with these opportunities that the Lord opens for us, when we come to know Him, we want to do stuff for Him. And in, in, in the fact of, of growing, of reading His Word, praying, even going to church and stuff like that, there will always seem to be opposition. And this is what, what the Apostle Paul shared in, in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, it says, for, great and effe- uh, for a great and effective door has been opened to me. And there are many adversities, or adversaries, I mean. And so again, whenever the doors are open, man, <clears throat> the adversaries come a-knocking. Now, there are two different timelines in, in uh, Ezra chapter 4, as I shared with you last week. Because it is a parenthetical chapter, which means that there is a parenthesis there. In verses 6 to 23 of the previous chapters is a, is a parenthesis. And, and Ezra, the author of the book, he, he's not writing this book until way later. Fifty-some years later. No, closer to six. Anyways, it's been a while. It's going to be a while. So he has the opportunity to to put in parentheses as he's writing this. And so um, again, this parentheses happens right before Ezra comes on the scene, and he will come on the scene in chapter seven, verses one through five, and verse twenty-four are are in that timeline where Zerubbabel, who who was who was more of a civic leader comes to, to, to start doing the work along with Jeshua or Joshua, who is more of the priest area, the, uh, that arena, the godly area. And they are now dealing with and beginning to rebuild the house of the temple of the Lord. And so for verses 1 through 5 and 24 deals with the building of the temple, that parentheses part, and I shared with you this, uh, this last week, is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And so um, the opponents had come against them. The adversaries and the accusations came against them. And it was an interesting for me as I was studying it. The word adversary means Satan. The, the word accusation or accuser means the devil. And so I kind of tied that in with, with what was going on there. Because when, again, you start walking with the Lord, the, the enemy gets mad. And he becomes an adversary, which means Satan, an accuser of the brethren. The accuser means the devil. And so the last verse of the last chapter shows us exactly where the enemy wants us to be. And I want to read verse 24 to you before we jump into our text. It says, Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased. And it was discontinued until the second year of, of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In other words, what happened there was the adversary came against the people that were now building the house of God. And, and, and it's interesting because, and you can go back and listen to the study, but just to kind of give you, a, you know, he came in really sly trying to infiltrate first. And when that didn't work, then, then, then he saw your true, he, he saw his true colors to where he came at them. He came after them. 
and, uh, and, and tried to discourage them. And when that didn't work, then he brought in people that would, it says counselors, to frustrate their purpose. And so, man, he, he went for it. Or, or, or the adversaries, the ones just he, but they, they went for it and to try to stop these people. Now, what I found interesting in that time was that the enemy, the adversaries, but the enemy of God. Let me, let, let me throw that in there. They, they couldn't completely stop the work of God. Because once God opens the door, no man can shut it, tells us in Revelation. And, and, and so here, the enemy or the adversaries, they come in and they begin to hinder the work of God. And because of these hindrances that are now there, and again, the enemy, man, he, he throws out all the stuff, whatever he may do, to try to stop the people. And it's interesting because the people that we read about, just in that last chapter, it ceased. And for 15 years, the work stayed dead. There was nothing going on for 15 years. God didn't tell them to stop. The adversary came, and these guys, whatever, however they came after them, they go, man, we can't do this no more. And, and, and so they kind of just stopped. Now, it's not like they just sat there and did nothing. Haggai, who is a contemporary, as we'll see today, Haggai writes this in his letter, in his, first, in his letter in the first chapter, verse 4, where, where the Lord, where he has this message to the people at this time that they're sitting down doing nothing for, for God. He says, is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? You see, they, they went about their own business. They went about doing what... Well, we can't do this, so let's just start building ourselves, our houses, and our empires, or whatever it was, whatever it was that was going on in their lives. And God kind of chastises them with Haggai to say, is it time for that while my house lays in ruins? The, the, the enemy's tactics have not changed, guys, even today. They have not changed whatsoever. He is not able, in my life or in your life, He is not able to completely stop the work of God. But what He does when He hinders people, and all of a sudden they're going, I can't take this no more. It's too much pressure. It's too hard. I'm trying to walk with God, and everything just seems to bombard me. And I can't take it anymore. So you know what? It, what happens is that when people get to that point, they're still saved. Don't get me wrong. If, if, they, if they've truly come to the Lord, they're still saved. They're not losing their salvation on this. But they become ineffective. And, and for 15 years, we see that the children of Israel became ineffective. In, 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 in prospering or, or in moving forward the work of God. And God never told them to stop. But they had become ineffective. They got busy doing other things. And for the enemy, if he can get, you, get me, get you busy, because I'm just as culpable. 
in doing other things besides what God has called us to. And I don't know what He's called you to. I know what He's called me to. But when He can make me ineffective, I still have my salvation. Don't get me wrong. You still have your salvation. But if He can make you ineffective, ineffective, it's good enough for Him. He'll let you go to heaven. He just doesn't want you to be effective for for the Lord anymore. (laughs) And we need to be aware of that because that is what's happening in the book of Ezra right now. That's what we finished off. And so in, 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 in chapter 5, I know it's a long intro, but be that as it may, verse 1, Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of, the son of Edu, prophet, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of the Lord God of Israel, in the name of the God of Israel, who was with them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, and Jeshua, the son of Zodek, uh, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. At the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethal, Boznai, and their companions came to them, spoke thus to them, Who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? Then accordingly we told them the names of the men who were constructing this building. But the eye of, the, of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till the record could go to Darius. Then a written answer was returned concerning the matter. And so let's stop right there. We're going to camp out in verses 1 and 2 for a little bit here. As I said earlier, the work of the Lord or the work of rebuilding the temple had ceased for about 15 years. So from 535 B.C. to 520 B.C., it it, it laid dormant. You, You could imagine the excitement when they started building the first time. There was this enthusiasm that was happening in their lives. They had just come back from being in captivity. They were set free, basically, and come back to their their homeland. Some of them had never been to the homeland, but they had heard about it all their life. And now they are there. And now the the work of the Lord begins last time. And, and, And so you could tell that there's this excitement because they've cleared up the area. They've taken care of all the rubble that was there. And they've laid the foundation. And they're ready to go. And then the adversary starts. And so 15 years... It's been laying dormant. So you can imagine, I know some of us that have property around here, man, we are so enthusiastic. We want to do something. We get it going and stuff, and then we forget about it. Or we get it going, and then we just let it go, and all the weeds just start growing around it. And I think it's a beautiful picture for us because, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe you're going, no, I keep down my weeds, Zeke. Well, I don't, always. I start a project, and I have these grand things, and then all of a sudden it's like, nah. 
And within a year, man, two years, it's like, what is that junk? But can you imagine that these people for 15 years, they've just left that, the, the foundations. The, the altar doesn't tell us that they, they continue to come back to the altar or anything. They, they, it is just laid dormant. And the, the people have become ineffective. The progress that the Lord wanted them to do, what, what He had called them to do, they weren't doing it anymore. Again, it's not like the people had, had walked away from their God. It, it doesn't tell us that they went back to worship on the high places or the bales or anything like that. It doesn't tell us that. For 15 years, these people, they were just doing their thing. They were building their houses. They were, built, they were living in their panel houses. They, they had built up for themselves what they wanted to, to, to build up. They hadn't walked away from God. They had just walked away from what they had been called to do. And that was to finish the temple. To do the work that God had brought them back. God had not brought them back just to, to, to build their panel houses. Oh, he, he was fine with it. Don't get me wrong. He was fine with their panel houses. But not at the expense of, of not doing what they were called to do. They were called to do the work of the Lord. And that is finish the house of the Lord. Why would they come back if, if they wouldn't even finish the temple? Let them stay somewhere else. If they're not going to be next to the temple where, where, where they were supposed to come and worship. They longed to come back. They desired to do the work. There was some excitement. And yet when the adversities came and when the adversary came against them. And again, I don't know how tough it was for them. Maybe they felt outnumbered. There was only about 50,000 of them. And, and yet there was population all around them. So I don't know what kind of pressure they were under. But God didn't say, hey man, once it gets tough, you can bail. Once, once the going gets too tough, then you know what? Just chill out. Just go do your own thing. Whatever you got to do to make yourself happy. As long as you're happy, right? Because isn't that what, what we're supposed to be? No, we're not. We're supposed to be holy, not happy. Again, I understand the people as a whole doing their own thing. I understand that to some extent. I'll preface that. And I say that because they also had a responsibility. All those people who came back had a responsibility. Because their leaders couldn't do it without them. They needed these people. Their, their leaders could not build this thing and continue with this thing without the rest of the people. All of them were called to pitch in, to do stuff. And I know what some people would say, yeah, but maybe they were giving money and they just didn't, you know, it's like it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about here. Everything's provided because again, we saw a couple chapters ago, everything was there already. Except that the adversaries had come against them. And so to some extent, I could see the people as a whole going, we're going to go do our own thing. But to see leaders like Zerubbabel, Jeshua, the priests, the Levites, the singers, 
the, the, the gatekeepers, the nethanims, the, the, the people that served. All of those people from chapter 2 that we looked at, that we skipped all their names. But for the most part, we, we knew that they were there. They became ineffective as well. Can it be that they were a little overwhelmed? But you really can't blame the people as a whole. If the leaders are not motivated to do the work of the Lord, why should the people be motivated? Why should they be motivated to do anything? If the leaders are not going for it, why should the people? But, but, but can I just kind of throw a little bit, a little, let me just throw something at you. Because this is how a cycle can go. Okay, if the people aren't seeing the leaders lead, then I could understand. But, but when you see leaders that are going for it, and they're going, come on, peeps, come on, come on. And they're going for it and going for it, and the people are going, yeah, you guys do it. I don't have to do it. That could be discouraging too. I have a dear brother of mine who, who, who has started a church, man, and he is just running hard. And, 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 and I, I'm really close to him, so he calls me. He says, bro, man, I'm getting discouraged, man. It's like, why, man? He says, man, it, it, people, you know, it's like he doesn't see people jumping on board. And I tell him, then you do it by yourself. If God has called you to do it, do not give up. And it's almost like the situation because the, the adversities are coming at him. He's a small little fellowship. And it gets discouraging when, 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 when the leader's going for it and the people aren't jumping on board. And they're just sitting there going, no, nah, it's your job, preacher boy. You, you do it all. <laughs> we give our tithes and offerings so you can go do it all. And it's like, well, thank you, but... <laughs> We still need manpower and people to come on board and help and, 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 and take this vision forward. And so I could see how, how the discouragement happened when, when all of a sudden Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the priests and all these people are kind of taking a back seat because the adversity is too hard. I could see that these people are going... Nobody's interested. Again, the, the battle was tough. But the discouragement was there. And I could tell you this right now, man. Discouragement is the enemy's favorite tool. It is like the most worn out tool he has. Because if he can discourage a leader, then he can discourage the rest of the people. And I'll tell you what, man, it is a battle. It is a battle. And Satan loves it. The calling to rebuild the temple was not halted by by the Lord. It wasn't. And this is what I'm encouraging my brother at, at the small church. It's like, dude, did the Lord call you to do it? Yes, then don't stop. I don't care if there's one person coming. I don't care who it is. Even if it's just your wife, dude, and she has to come. <laughs> right? 
You continue. If you know that the Lord did it, do not stop it. See, it's easy for me to say I'm not in that, in that situation. But I, I, he, he knows I love him enough to say, bro, I will encourage you, man. I will, I will stand next to you. I will be praying for you. I will do whatever it takes for you. Because I know he's so discouraged. And he's going, maybe the Lord's telling me to close up shop. Well, you better make sure that God has called you to do that. Because it's easy, like we're seeing here, to just shut the doors and say, I guess God's not in it. And God's going, what? A little discouragement and you can't handle it? A little baby? I mean, I don't know if the Lord would call him a baby, but I might. <laughs> but you know what? When I'm discouraged, and I've been there many a times, it's hard, man. It's hard to get up and go, okay, let's get motivated. And you're going, for what? And, 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 and I know you probably feel the same way in so many different areas of your life, especially when you're going, I just want to draw closer to the Lord. And you start reading, you start reading, it's like, man, I can't understand it, I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. I ain't got time. All of a sudden, everything's coming against me, and it's like, ah, forget it. And, and, and you're, you're going, it was better just being a mediocre Christian <laughs> and just being a baby. Not like baby, baby, but you know, like, like not growing. But once you desire to do that, man, it's like get ready for the opposition. And don't quit. The consistency of moving forward, of doing it, of breaking through that cycle of going, okay, here's that discouragement. Let me, let me just stop again. Fight that through. Because if the Lord is not telling you, hey, why don't you sit out for a while? You see, these people were called to rebuild the temple and God had not called them to stop it. But it had been stifled by the adversaries. Roadblocks were put up. But it wasn't a closed road. It wasn't. They were supposed to get over there and move these roadblocks, climb over the roadblocks, push them out of the way, whatever they had to do to get the, 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 the temple done, and they stopped. Now, all of that to say, then the Lord brought Haggai and Zechariah on the scene. Hooray! You know? <laughs> Woohoo! He brings these two guys. They, he brings them on the scene, and they prophesied to the Jews, which means that they spoke forth what God wanted Israel to hear. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hadn't he already talked to Zerubbabel? Hadn't he already talked to Jeshua? Okay, they're defeated right now, man. They are discouraged. But he brings these guys on and they prophesy. Again, they, 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 the Lord spoke through them to the people. Now, that, that word prophesy means, uh, it, like, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, I know that there were times that, that there was prophetic words of things that were forthcoming, 
But oftentimes it was foretelling what God was already doing. And that's what these guys, these guys come on the scene and they begin to tell the people what God wanted for them right now because he had already said those things. But now it's some fresh voices, some fresh faces that are coming in and they're, 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 they're basically in essence stirring them up, building them up, lifting them up and basically telling them it's time to get back to work. You thought you were the only one that told your kids, hey, get back to work. Stop it. Knock it off. Get back to work. God has to tell his kids sometimes, hey, stop it. Quit being a little baby. I know you're discouraged. Let me lift you up and get back to work. Because that's what Haggai and Zechariah are on the scene to tell these people. I would encourage you, read, Zachariah, read uh, Haggai and Zechariah. Because the words that they share, especially Haggai, it's get back in the game. Stop where you're at and get back in the game and get used to doing what you're supposed to be doing. And don't let the enemy beat you down again. That's basically what he's telling them. Get back to work. Haggai began his ministry, and I love this, because when you read Haggai, he gives you exact dates. On August 29th, 520, according to Haggai 1.1. And Haggai prophesied from August to December of 520. That's it. For, for a few months, he was on the scene and he had at least five messages to give to the people of Israel. And you can read those in, in the two chapters that he, that he shares in the, in the book that, that is named after him. About a month or two later, he is joined by another young man by the name of Zechariah. And, and we know that because Zechariah 1.1 tells us what month he came on the scene. And it was on the same year. So two months later, basically, this guy comes in. He was a priest whom God had called to be a prophet. And Zechariah prophesied for about two years, beginning in October or November of 2018. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'm prophesying for you guys. Get back to work. Uh, But in 520 B.C. Okay, so that's when he starts. And so these two young men, they come on the scene. These two young prophets are used to get the people back to work. Now, I don't know if they were like rah, rah, cheer, cheer, doing all this stuff. Come on, guys, let's go do this. Let's go do Follow me. I don't know if, that, if it was that or they just spoke the word of God. With boldness and conviction to start telling the people, why is, it, why is this like this? Has not God called us? Can you imagine these young guys telling these older guys, hey, what are you guys doing? Well, you know, the zeal that you have, my little brother, (laughs) you don't understand the discouragement. It's like, I understand what God's told me. I understand what God said. And so I'm going to go for it. And and you guys are in sin if you guys aren't going for it. And again, it's like, When a young kid is now telling an older person, hey, why aren't you working for the Lord anymore? Well, because I got tired. Sucks for you, man. Because I don't think God has called you to sit on the sidelines. Because Christianity is not a sideline sport. It's not a spectator sport, peeps. It really is not. These young guys, they got there... 
And I'm sure that they had their moments of discouragement as well. But they were not going to let those things get them down. They knew what God was calling them to do. And they had a word to speak. And they were going to speak it. And they were going to, if anything, shame the people if they had to. Not about, I mean, I shame you guys all the time, calling you, especially you men, little babies, little girls, little chavalas, you know. But again, when, when, when Haggai tells these people, why is that laying in ruins and you're living in luxury right now? Why, why, why is that? Give me a good one. Give me a good one here. Not a mediocre answer. Give me a good answer of why this is happening. I could imagine him just being so upset at these people because he knew what God had called them to do. And they were being ineffective. The adversary uses discouragement. And it was a long time that the work had stopped. And these two young men, they come in and they begin to encourage those who were discouraged to get back, to get back into, into the game, man. I mean, it, it, it's great. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in a, in, a, in a downer in a time that you're just like, I'm just tired, man. And, and it's great when you have or, or, or when you can get yourself back on track, you know. It's great when you can do that. But man, oh man, when you have a brother or sister that can come alongside of you, and loves you enough to say, what are you doing, man? Why are you just sitting there? Didn't you tell me at one time that God had called you to X, Y, or Z? What happened? And again, man, to have somebody that loves you enough to go, what are you doing? Why, 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 are, you, why are you just sitting there? And I love the fact that these guys, man, they, they come in and it says that that Zerubbabel and Joshua rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. What a humbling thing, you know? Because these, these were the leaders. And these young bucks come in. What, what, what are we doing here, man? And they rose up and they began to build the house of the Lord again. The Lord had never told them to stop the work. They were supposed to continue through the adversities and the adversaries. These adversities and these adversaries could only hinder the work, guys. But they cannot stop the work. If you have a calling in your life, whatever that calling is, don't give up. I, I, I could guarantee you, if you're in that place right now, it wasn't God that said, hey, why don't you sit out for a little bit? If God, is, if God has truly called you to this. You see, you're supposed to work through the adversities and the adversaries. You're supposed to keep on going. Boom. Dude, a righteous man gets knocked down seven times, but he gets back up. He does. That's what Proverbs tells us. He just doesn't stay there and go, I'm done. You can't, you, you can't be done. Well, I guess you could, but it's like, ah, 
you imagine, man, getting to heaven and, and, and you're going, man, I'm going to hear those words, man. I'm going to hear the word. And Jesus just says, hey, come on in, man. Next. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's that, you know, great and faithful servant? It's like, oh, I would have. <laughs> but you were sitting on the sidelines. You got tired, remember? Thank God you made it. Come on in. Man, how discouraging could that get, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? The, the enemy can only hinder, guys. He cannot stop. If God has called you to go, then go. Do it. And if you're going, I just can't, then, then, then place yourself in the position that God wants you to go and then just fall that way. If you can't walk, just fall that way. <laughs> and see what happens with that. <laughs> right? Because it's like, no. No, if he's calling me to go that way, then if I, instead of sitting down, I'll just fall that, in that direction. Maybe the momentum will get me going again. So now that they're back on track, man, they're back on track. I'm sure that the people began to get excited because of what was happening. Because they rose up. They rose up and began to build. They began to do what they had been called to do. And it says that these prophets, man, they came alongside, man, we're going to help you guys. We're going to do this with you guys. I want to read through to, to you from uh, Haggai chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. It says this, Then Zerubbabel, the son of this guy, and, and Joshua, the son of this other guy, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people obeyed the, wor- the voice of the Lord their God. And the, the, the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the, house of, uh, on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. <sighs> Thank God for a guy like Haggai, right? I know that it is somewhat easy. Somebody in, in, in my position to try to manipulate and even put guilt trips on you to say, hey man, come on, let's get going, let's do this. It's easy to do that. But man, oh man, it's a lot, a lot better when, when you allow the Spirit to stir you. Oh, He can use knuckleheads like me to speak things out, to challenge you even, but when the Holy Spirit is the one that challenges your heart, when it's the Holy Spirit that stirs your soul to do the work, then there's nothing that will stop you ever. Because if I can manipulate you to do something, then again, pretty soon you're going, dude, I, I, I can't do it for you no more. And that would be the wrong motive, and I shouldn't do that. 
But when the Holy Spirit stirs somebody's heart, there's a newfound excitement, man, in people's lives. All of a sudden, man, there's this, 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 this thing that's stirred up within you like Haggai did to these people. Now, I, I, I've been walking with the Lord for 38 years. I have never really sat out for a long time. Oh, I remember a time coming to my pastor, oh gosh, 20-some years ago, and saying, hey, i got to quit everything. i got to go make some more money. And my pastor, man, he, he just says, you know what, Zeke? Go ahead. You can go make all the money you want. But I know where your heart is at. And I'm bawling like a little girl in front of him, man, because it's the truth. My heart is to do the work of the Lord. But I thought, no, I was working construction. I got to go make more money. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. And I just kind of, and it was almost like I put myself on the shelf, man. It was the most miserable time of my life. I hated it until I repented and going, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it took a few months. But I know people who have been sitting out and have sat out for whatever reasons. There's a lot of reasons. But it wasn't because the Lord told them to sit out. Now, I know that there are times when the Lord says, hey, you need to sit. You need to sit. Uh, you, you just need to be still and know that I am God. See, when it's God doing that, it's like, dude, who am I to tell you, get back to work? When God has told you, sit and listen. You need rest. Because God sometimes does that. But I think that we could pray ourselves into that in no time flat oftentimes. Thinking, no, the Lord told me to sit down. It's like, okay, go ahead and sit, baby. You're going to regret it. I've been there. Not for a long, long, long time. I know some people who, they have a calling in their life, but they've been sitting for years. They've been sitting for years. Sometimes it's because of the spouse. Sometimes it's because of work. Sometimes it's because of their reasons. And God's going, I know it's tough, but I don't want you to sit down. And it's like, but I have to. Okay, I understand. But those who have sat down or sat out for whatever reason, when that stirring happens again and they know that they've been out of what God really wanted them to do and they rise up and start building again, oh my gosh, there's just like almost this, this revival that happens within their souls and it's hard to contain it again. Guys, I don't know where you're at tonight, man. I don't know what you've been battling. I don't know if you've been like sitting on the sidelines going, dude, I'm kind of just done and this message is getting on my nerves. And it shouldn't have come. <laughs> and maybe God can use somebody like me to be like a Haggai or, 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 uh, or, or a Zachariah. And I don't mean to put myself in any of those categories, peeps. Please understand that. But to, to be able to say, hey, are you sitting now because God told you to, to rest, to sit, to, to just know that he is God and just receive all that he has for you? Or are you sitting down because you're tired and you're tired of fighting? Because if that's the case, then get back in the game. That's what these guys are doing. They're rising up. They're building the temple. 
And so with all of this happening, man, what could stop them now, right? Verse 3. What could stop this momentum that they have? Well, there's a guy by the name of Tatanai, Tatanai and, and his partner here. And they come to them as they are building this temple, as they are rebuilding, as they've risen up with this excitement. And he says, who has commanded you to build this temple and finish these walls? Who has commanded you to do that? Dang it, man. It's like, there's a great opportunity again to get going. Man, is this a great opposition that's coming against them again? Because again, they, they, they go hand in hand, don't they? Now, as we look at these people, these two guys who, who have come into the scene, onto the picture, we can look at them as opposition. These men happen to be men in power. Tatanai, or however his name is, he, he happens to be like a governor over, over that region. And, and, and Jerusalem is in his jurisdiction. And he is the type that has to go check up to see what's going on. In other words, he had every right to come and ask him, who told you that you can do this? Where's your permits, <laughs> basically? I need to see paperwork. I need to know who commanded you to do this. And by the way, who are, who's everybody's names that are here? That's what he's asking them in verse 4. Where he says, and accordingly we told them the names. So apparently they're asking for names. And in the Amplified it says, then we told them in reply the names of the men who were building this building. Now if those who are in charge starts like Zerubbabel and Jeshua and maybe Haggai and, and, and Zechariah, those who are in charge of building... When these guys come on the scene and start saying, hey, who gave you the orders and what's everybody's name? If these guys that are in charge for building, if all of a sudden they're wanting to demand their rights, you can't ask us that. You, 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 we don't need to answer to you, man. We answer to a higher person, blah, blah. I mean, they could have started making it look ugly here. But these guys, they, they're coming on the scene and you know, they, they could be going, Matt, you're only harassing us because we're Jews. It could have been all of that. They could have come off like that. But instead, when they're asking for all the names, again, they're asking who authorizes and what are your names. They didn't say who authorized it, but they did give them their names. And so it's, it, it's almost like they complied with what they're being asked somewhat. They didn't have anything to hide. And they knew that they were back on track. And they could have viewed this as an opposition. And it could have turned out that way. Could have turned into a battle here. But they answered him what he was asking. Not all of it. <laughs> but they answered enough that it sufficed the guy who was asking, what are you guys doing? Who gave you this authorization? Who are all these people? 
And they said, here, we're not going to give you all our name, rank, and serial numbers, but we'll just give you our name. <laughs> That's all we're going to give you, man. And they were okay with it. And then in verse 5 it says, But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease until or till the report could go to Darius. This could have turned ugly, guys. But they had the wisdom, these elders had the wisdom in complying with what they were being asked. You see, these guys that came on the scene, they could have made them cease the work with an order going, nothing happens until I find out who authorized this. But they gave them just enough and they would probably said it in a nice manner. <laughs> opposition doesn't always have to turn into Opposition. Being wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove carries you a long ways. When you see an opposition coming going, okay, this could be trouble. Lord, how do you want me to handle this? There are those <clears throat> who have to do their job. And that's who these guys are. They have to do their job. And we can take that as an attack. Oh, you're just attacking us. It's, it's an attack from the enemy. It's like, no, it's not. They have to do their job. They have to ask these questions. You see, it's not always the case that it's always the enemy. Now, we, it could have turned into a bad day. It could have turned into something like that. On how they responded back. Again, that's not to say that even though somebody is harsh, <laughs> you have to be harsh to them. You can always tone it down. I, 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 I want to go over to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2 because I think it's an important portion for us. Even as we're looking at this, because as I was studying Ezra, chapter 5, thinking, oh, more opposition, more opposition, and reading more, and I'll read the rest of the chapter in just a little bit, going, this guy was not a bad guy. This guy was doing his job. And in verse 13 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and let's just go to about verse 21. It says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your own masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. 
For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your fault you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. You see, going back to our text, if these guys, again, even if they would have come off very, very harsh saying, who authorized this and what are your names? That if they would have just said, boom, let's go for it, then it would have turned into trouble. But these guys using wisdom, submitting to the authority, saying, here you go, sir. Is this what you need for right now? This is all we have. This is all I can give you right now. They were, con- they were allowed to continue the work until a report went to the, the king. And this guy was going to do his due diligence. And so they were still okay to continue to the work. You see, these men could have made life hard for these guys in stopping the work, but they didn't. Again, I think because of the interaction between them and how they, they both went along with one another, they were able to work with one another. And so now let's read the rest of the chapter here. Verse 6. This is the copy of the letter that Tatanai sent. The governor of the region beyond the river and my partner here and his companions the Persians who were in the region, region beyond the river to Darius the king. They sent the letter to him in which was written thus, to, king, to Darius the king, all peace. Let it be known to the king that we went into the province of Judah to the uh, temple of the great God which is being built with heavy stones and timber is, is being laid on the walls. And the work goes on diligently and prospers in their hand. For we asked these elders and spoke thus with them. Who has commanded you to build this temple and to finish these walls? We also asked them their names to inform you that we might write the names of the men who were chief among them. And thus they returned us an answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and completed. But because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldeans, who destroyed the temple and carried the people away to Babylon. However, in the first year of, De- of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build the house of God. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem and carried into the temple of Babylon, those King Cyrus took from the temple of Babylon and were given to... given to one named Sheshbazar, 
uh, whom he had made governor. And he said to him, Take these articles, go, carry them to the temple site that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be built on its former site. Thus the same Sheshbazar came and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. But from that time till now, it has been under construction, and it is not finished. Now therefore, if it seems good to the king to let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that the decree was issued by King Cyrus to build the house of God in Jerusalem, and let the king send us his pleasure concerning this matter. What an amazing portion here. This man, he goes to the workers. They say, hey, man, who gave you the authority? And they, again, they ended up complying with him, as we see. They ended up telling him. And, and, and the, what I love about it, they were so honest, going, hey, listen, man, this is what happened. Our, one of our great kings built this place. But because of our disobedience, God sent us up to Babylon. And, and, and in the first year of, of Cyrus, king of Babylon, and again, man, you, you, can, you can do whatever you want with this. If it, if it pleases the king, that's how you want to speak to these guys. If, it please, if I could find favor in your eyes, sir. <laughs> Smooth a little bit. Um, anyways, so, so again, they were being honest. And, and as we'll see in the next chapter, and you could read along, Man, it goes good for them. But can you imagine if they would have said, this is an attack from the enemy, man. We're going to go and fight the enemy like we fought the other guys that were, that were accusing us of all this other craziness and their adversaries. These guys weren't adversaries, but they could have turned into adversaries. And we need to be careful, guys. We need to be very careful. I want to leave you with some, some scriptures. You can write these down, check them out later. But Proverbs 5.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 17.14 The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Proverbs 21.23 Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. James 4, 7 and 8 Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That was the first part of verse 8. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Guys, the enemy is always out there. Understand that. The battle never stops. But man, oh man, if we don't have to start fights, let's not start fights. (laughs) If opposition comes and you're going, man, this can turn ugly. Give them a soft answer. Turn away some wrath. You see, oftentimes the people that have to do their job, they're not your enemy. Well, some of them can be jerks. 
If you're one of those, stop it. But <laughs> be careful. Because again, if, you've, if, you've, if you have that much authority, then use it wisely as well. But again, when people have to do their jobs, understand, man, they, they, they're, they're under a deadline or they're under pressure as well. And, and, and if you bark back at them, the way they're barking down at your throat, oftentimes it doesn't end well. But if you can turn off the fire, <laughs> don't, don't open the spigot, things can probably be calmed down. And so, again, if the enemy can use that person to ruin your day, he will do it. But if you just squelch it, guess who wins? God does. The enemy doesn't win. Resist him. If, if he wants to bring you into a brawl, say, ah, I ain't got time for you. I got other things, man. I got, I got to go worship. I got to go do the work of the Lord, man. I ain't got time for this other ruckus. And so I want to encourage you guys, man. The enemy is real. He's always out there. He roams around like a, like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. And then move forward. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you once again. Just for your word, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for just allowing me to use scripture, Lord God. The, the scripture that you laid on my heart throughout this day, Lord. I pray that it would encourage my brothers and sisters, Lord. I do pray. I do pray for my brothers and sisters who are sitting here, Lord. I don't know what, what all of them are going through, Lord. I, I, I don't know what the battles are right now. I, I don't know what the discouragement may be, but I pray for them right now, Lord. God, unless you're telling them to rest, unless you're t telling them to be quiet and know that you are God, Lord. Father, if they have beaten themselves up, allowed the enemy to just disqualify them. I pray that in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would bind the works of the enemy, those little voices that can creep in, that, Lord, we would hear your voice because your word tells us, Lord, that, we, that, that your sheep, they know your voice and they won't follow after another. And so, Lord, if we've allowed those voices to permeate, help us put the, those away tonight, Lord. Help us, even as we, we worship right now, to repent of not doing what you've called us to do, Lord. Help us to, to, to get back on track, Lord. Lord, if there's people in our lives right now, Lord, that we can minister to in humility to come and minister to them because we know that they're down, use us, Lord, to do that. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the examples. We bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand.